Welcome to the teaching ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Santa Maria, California. Join our pastors as they share biblical principles of God's transforming grace so that you may learn God's word in order to live God's way. Good morning. Please have a seat and take your Bibles. Everybody got an extra hour of sleep, but my clock right here says it's 1025. So during the second service, I'm supposed to stop at 1121. So it looks like I get to preach for 50 something minutes. Hey, that's a preacher's dream. (laughs) Philippians chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 12 through 18 today. Uh, Please direct your attention there and uh, let's hear the words of the living God. Verse 12, the Apostle Paul says, inspired by the Holy Spirit, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Let's pray. Father, Oh, just thank you for your sovereign grace. Uh, we have been singing songs about being in the valley in the desert, and we know that there is victory because of what your son has done for us through the gospel message. As I was reading Psalm 63 this morning, God, I was reminded by David that he is on the run. People are trying to kill him, and yet he can say in the shadow of your wings, he sings for joy. You give him joyful lips as he meditates at night as he's sleeping, knowing that he could be killed while he slept, but he had joyful lips because he knew you. And he could say that he could be satisfied like one who has a rich, expensive dinner because he knows you, God. And that's our prayer today, that we would know you in every single circumstance of our life, that our our heart would cry out to know you more and to enjoy you more and to love you more. Would you help us now as we feast upon your word and be able to say with David as he said in that psalm that I have seen your power and your glory I've beheld them in the sanctuary we want that to happen right now father as we look at your word by your spirit we ask in Jesus name amen I've told you before that life is all about perspective it's about how you see things the story was told of this young couple who uh, started this new business. The man was an engineer, and his wife was an advertising copywriter. And they wound up buying this small salmon cannery in Alaska. But they soon discovered that they had a problem on their hands. When customers opened up a can of their salmon, they discovered that the fish was gray. And gray fish is very unappealing in a can. So soon sales sagged, the company was about to go under, and an investigation revealed that there was nothing wrong with the salmon. There was nothing wrong with the fish. It was the way that it was processed that made it turn gray in the can. 
This is a technical problem, said the wife, and you're an engineer. You have to find a way to fix this. So a month later, the husband announced that they would have to replace some of their machinery. It would take about 10, month, 10 months to do the job. It would be very expensive before they could get back on their feet. And the wife said, we have to do something sooner than that, or we're going to go under. So for the next two days, she pondered the problem, and this is what she came up with. There was nothing wrong with the salmon. It tasted fine. The problem lay in the way it looked, so she changed the label on the can. In bold letters, right under the brand name, the labels thereafter announced, the only salmon guaranteed not to turn pink in the can. You see, life is all about perspective. It's about how you see things. Today's passage, the Apostle Paul will show us that all of the events of our lives can work to further the gospel message. So we need a new outlook. We need to learn to see things differently. We need to have our perspective changed to realize that everything that happens in our life can work in such a way that the gospel of Jesus Christ goes all the way to the nations. In short, I would say we need to change the label on everything that happens in our lives, on every single circumstance. Here's our big idea for today. Every single circumstance in our lives can become a highway for the advancement of the gospel. Every single situation, every single trial, every single thing, I'm talking everything that happens in your life can become a highway so that the gospel can speed down in glory. Look at verse 12. Paul says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Now, let's get the context here. Remember, where is Paul? He's in prison. He's chained up. And the Philippians had heard about Paul. They heard he was in prison. They knew he was on death row. They knew at any moment the call could be made to say, chop that guy's head off. He's too much of a nuisance for us talking about this Jesus person. So Paul knew that. He knew the Philippians were concerned, as were the Roman Christians where Paul was. What would happen to the gospel? I mean, the apostle Paul, what happens if he dies? How is the gospel to get out? How's the gospel to get out to the nations and to the Gentiles? And Paul knew that. He knew how they were feeling. And yet Paul writes to this little church to reassure them that everything has happened to advance the gospel. That the message of the gospel, that Christ died to bring us to God. He said, what has happened is furthering that message. I love in verse 12 when Paul uses the affectionate term brothers here. This is how pastoral is. He's caring for me saying, brothers, you're my brothers, we're family. I want you to know this. And it's all working out so that the gospel will advance. That's why I'm in prison. That's why I'm on death row. And this is what I love about the Apostle Paul. He's so gospel intoxicated. He's so gospel saturated. He's so gospel centered. He doesn't care what happens to him. He doesn't care what happens in his life. He's saying, I can be chained up in prison on death row about to face execution. And it doesn't matter to me because I know that in this situation, the gospel is going forward. The word here that he uses for advance is a Greek word for any of you who care. Prokopane. He uses this word. It was used in Paul's days whenever an army would come to an impasse. If they came to a situation, maybe they came to a river, they couldn't get across the river. They would build a bridge or they came to some 
structure, a mountain or something. They, they would have to go around it. They would make a way around it. That's the word that they used. We need to build a procopane. We need to be able to get through and get across. And Paul says, this imprisonment has become a procopane. It's open doors to advance the gospel, to clear a way for the gospel to get out. In the first home that we owned, I used to clear a way through our converted garage, which became the playroom. Now, maybe your kids are different, but our playroom looked like what you imagined it looked like. The toys didn't stay always in their neat little boxes. And sometimes before I'd go to bed at night, I would clear away to make a shortcut through the kitchen in case in the middle of the night I needed to get up and get a drink of water. Do you know why I cleared away? Because I would break my neck if I tried to walk through there. Or I'd step on a Lego or an army man. I had to clear a way so that I could get through there. That's for the ladies. Here, this is an illustration I thought of last night for the men. Do you remember William the Refrigerator Perry? Remember the Chicago Bears in like 86? He was this uh, defensive end or something huge. Back then he was huge. He's small by today's standards of football players. They would give the ball to William the Refrigerator Perry and he would just, I mean, just at the end zone. He's through, touchdown, automatic touchdown. That's what Paul's saying here. His circumstances have started clearing the way so that here comes the power of the gospel to do its work and to spread. The advancement of the gospel overrides everything in Paul's life. His sufferings, his hardships, his trials, his circumstances, his fears about the future, his impending death, all served one end, getting the gospel message out. Everything in Paul's life came up under that. See, every single circumstance in your life can become a highway for the advancement of the gospel. So as you go through trials, as you go through circumstances that are hard, where is your focus? Where is your perspective? Our tendency is to look inward and want relief. We want to get out of some situation. And there's nothing wrong with praying that and wanting that. But we have to have the perspective that God has me here to what I'm going through for a reason. And the supreme reason of everything that's happening in your life is that the gospel message would get out. So what we need to do is we need to relabel our circumstances. Say, it's got to put a new label on it. It looks tragic, it looks terrible, it looks hard, but you know what? God wants to get the gospel out. So I'm going to relabel it a gospel opportunity. Well, how did the gospel advance through Paul's imprisonment? It happened in two ways. It happened outside the church And it happened inside the church. Look at verses 13 through 14. This all happened for the advance of the gospel so that, there's the purpose, it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. It seemed like an impossibility. And it seems like an impossibility when we go through hard times in our lives. But Paul's event, his imprisonment, was actually advancing the gospel message. It did it inside the church and it did it outside. It did it outside the church through the Praetorian Guard, through the Roman soldiers. The Praetorian Guard was a group of Roman soldiers. In Paul's day, scholars estimated it was maybe around 9,000 soldiers they had enlisted. Paul's not saying that he went and talked to each and every one of them. What he's saying is that it began to spread among the Praetorian Guard who this crazy man was and why he was where he was. 
they began hearing the gospel message. Well, how was the message spreading through them? Um, I assume that Paul would have been assigned one of these guards 24-7. I'm sure they would have rotated in shifts, and every new prospect, every new soldier became every soldier became a new prospect for Paul to evangelize. Can't you just see Paul, the passionate, gospel-intoxicated, gospel-saturated, gospel-centered apostle in prison because he loves Jesus Christ and believes the message that Christ came to die to bring sinners to God. There he is. He's chained up to a guard. Every so often there's a shift change in a new guard. I smell opportunity. And so did Paul. And the guard is standing there chained up thinking just another prisoner. He has no idea what's coming. This is kind of how I imagine the scenario. Paul reaches through the bars, tugs on the guard's sleeves, or I guess they probably didn't, maybe had a leather wristband. You know, I picture him kind of muscular with like leather straps going across here. And he reaches through and pulls on the man's arm. And I hear Paul say, hey, how are you? I see the guard saying, good. What's your name? Marcus. Hello, Marcus. Nice to meet you. My name is Paul. It used to be Saul, but it got changed. That's sort of why I'm here. Why are you here? Did you kill someone? Steal something from somebody? Uh, It's a long story, Marcus, but I'd love to tell you. And I can see Paul talking nonstop to his captive audience who's working on the clock and can't leave. And that's why in verse 13, Paul says, it has become known that my imprisonment is for Christ. People were talking about Paul. Word was spreading about the prisoner in cell block D. This guy on death row who has his joy unleashed. Imagine the soldiers as they came up, every guard, and he says, hey, how you doing? Somebody hit you in the head? Why are you so happy? Why are you so joyful? He's so joyful. Because his joy was unleashed because of the gospel message that he lived and embraced with all of his heart. And he knew because the God that he served was so sovereign, every single circumstance in his life could and would become a highway for the advancement of the gospel. Not only, though, would the guards see Paul, this happy, happy, joy, joy, gospel-soaked apostle in prison, they would have seen the church community in action. They would have seen the gospel in action as they came to visit Paul. Prisons in Paul's day weren't like they are in ours. You know, everybody gets cable TV. They get, you know, all these great things. Sometimes you think, man, they got it better than me. Not so in Paul's day. You had to bring someone food. You had to bring them blankets. And when you stepped out like that and you you vouched for someone who was in prison, you put your neck on the line. And the guards are seeing these Christians come up whose joy is unleashed and they're talking about Jesus and the gospel. And they're standing there having to hear these conversations. So word began to spread about these crazy people called Christians who loved one another and would risk their lives to bring one another a sandwich and a pillow. The gospel was spreading. And I'm sure the men would talk about it in the, the guards would talk about it in the the coffee break room. They would go home and tell their wives, honey, how was work today? I watched this crazy guy today. And these crazy people, have you heard about those Christians? They're crazy. But man, they love one another. And they keep talking about Jesus, this guy who died to bring us to God. Paul knew 
every single circumstance in our lives can become a highway for the advancement of the gospel. We need to learn from Paul that we need to relabel every situation that we find ourselves in. Outside the church, the gospel was spreading. We'll find out in Philippians 4.22 that Paul writes to the Philippians and he says, some of the believers in Caesar's household send you greetings. The gospel spread all the way to Caesar's house. He's in control of everything. The gospel was spreading outside because the Christian's joy was unleashed. It also spread within the local church. Look at verse 14. And most of the brothers have become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment and are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Paul wants the Philippians to know this this has served to advance the gospel and it's actually helping the local church. Far from there being a retreat to obscurity, the local churches have gone public about Jesus. They know if we speak up about Christ, we might end up where Paul is but we don't care because we love this message so much. You would think that imprisonment for preaching the gospel would quiet down the evangelists and quiet down the church, but to the contrary, their witness for Christ actually becomes bolder. You mean to tell me, pastor, that if I start speaking about Jesus, that I may get thrown in prison and that I may suffer and that they may come and chop my head off? Yes, that's what I'm telling you. I want to preach the gospel. That's what was happening inside the church. And in verse 14, it says, they have become become confident in the Lord. They weren't confident in themselves and in their own ability to present the best gospel message. They said, we're confident in the Lord. And I think they were confident in the power of the gospel. Are we confident in the power of the gospel as we move forward throughout our life, as we move forward next weekend for the city? Let me ask you, do you believe in the power of the gospel? When you share the good news of Jesus Christ, it drops like an atomic bomb on a dead soul, dead in their sins, blind, unable to come to Christ. And when you share the gospel, that simple message, there's power. And God's elect people are instantly converted when the Spirit draws them at the appropriate time. Now, you may share the gospel over and over and just doesn't awaken a dead sinner from their sins. But you still preach it. And in God's sovereign time, he will draw his people to himself. But it is power. And so many times we go to share the gospel, we're like, I just want to tell you about Jesus and that he died. And that's okay if you do it that way. Because even if you're shy about it, the gospel is so powerful, it converts sinners. And if you're a Christian today, guess what? The gospel converted you by the Spirit. It doesn't matter if you are timid or shy or bold. If you get the crux of the message, the gospel is power. And these believers in Rome are confident in the Lord. The gospel is so powerful and our God is so powerful that God can take any situation like Paul's and turn it for the advancement of the gospel. Only God can take the imprisonment of Paul and his impending death and turn it into a strong wind that stirs up passion for the gospel in the local church. Only God can take severe persecution for Jesus and turn it into an opportunity for gospel growth. D.A. Carson, 
New Testament scholar says this, a whiff of persecution sometimes puts backbone into otherwise timid Christians. How many of you wanted to share your faith because of the pastor in Iran who might be losing his life? I'm sure the believers over there, it seems odd, but they're probably more bold to share their faith. This was the case with the five young Wheaton College graduates in the 1950s who became missionaries to the Alka, the Wa'adani Indians in Ecuador. You know them. You've heard their story. Maybe you've seen the movie End of the Spear. Jim Elliott, Roger Udarian, Nate Saint, Pete Fleming, and Ed McCauley. Maybe you read about it in Elizabeth Elliott's book, Through Gates of Splendor. These men were martyred for their faith, and God used that to start another wave of missions. And it was in the summer of 1994 in Ghana, West Africa, when I read this book and my life was deeply changed by Jim Elliot. I read his diary, Shadow of the Almighty, and this guy was so on fire and passionate about the gospel. I just felt my heart knitted to him. And I ended up naming my first son, one of his middle names is Elliot, named after Jim Elliot. How could these men have known that their commitment to the gospel and to spreading missionary work would still continue to this day? How could their families have known, the little kids who lost their dads, that it would become a moment that the gospel would begin to set a blaze of missions? And it still continues to this day, some 50 years later. Sometimes a little persecution stirs up and strengthens God's church. Have you ever considered that during your trying circumstances, God may be at work to expand the gospel? Perhaps God is working the gospel out in your children's life as you go through something difficult. Perhaps your circumstances will become a testimony of God's faithfulness that will be retold and retold for generations to come. The gospel is on the move. It's advancing. And it's as practical as you have a doctor's visit. Maybe there's someone in the waiting room waiting for you to share the gospel. Maybe you're to share it with your doctor. Maybe you go to a parent-teacher conference and you share it with your child's teacher. Maybe it's with your neighbors. We've got to learn to relabel everything in our life as a gospel opportunity. Remember, God is always working for our good, his glory, and the spread of the gospel. 3G, right there. Our good his glory, and the spread of the gospel. And his glory comes as the gospel is spread. Romans eight twenty eight. you know it. We know that for those who love God, some things, know what? All things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. That is what is so amazing about our God. He is able to take our tragedies, loss of a loved one, a wayward child, economic and financial crises, strained relationships, sickness, and bring something good and glorious out of it. Romans 8, 28, all things are working together. Everything in your life is working together. The trial The joy, the sorrow, the happiness, they're all coming together to work for your good. It's working for your good. It's working for my good. And it's working for God's glory. And it's working in such a way, it's clearing a path for the gospel to speed forward. 
So the next time you struggle with what is taking place in your life and you want to ask God why, and there's nothing wrong with asking God why, okay? He can handle it, okay? He's not going to fall off his throne or anything. You can ask him why. Why is this happening, God? But be sure you remember the answer that he's working it for your good and for his glory and for the spread of the gospel. Every single circumstance in our lives can become a highway for the advancement of the gospel. We see it in verses 15 through 18 too. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. What happened in the churches at Rome when Paul was in prison? How did people react? There were two ways. Some members were encouraged, and they preached with good motives. I mean, let's get the gospel out. Paul's locked up. We got to step up. Another group saw it as an opportunity. They were envious of Paul. Maybe he was kind of famous, you know, on all the blogs, and people were talking about him, and and he always spoke at the conferences, and now he's locked up. So some of these guys were like, hey, this is an opportunity for my name to get out there. So I'm going to go preach Christ so that people can kind of start to talk about me. Paul says, you know what? I don't care. Are you preaching the gospel? That's all I care about. You're doing it from pure motives because you love Jesus and you want to, hear, to see sinners come to Christ. Paul says, great. Paul says, you're doing it to make a name for yourselves? I don't care. If you're preaching the gospel, it's power and it converts dead sinners. So I don't care what your motive is because I could never know that motive. But if you're preaching the gospel, Paul says, who cares? He's rejoicing that the gospel was being preached. As mentioned earlier, we've got our first For the City event coming up, and I hope you will participate in one of those ways. I hope you begin to live in such a way that you realize, hey, why are we having a For the City event? Every day is for the city. It's for us to reach this city for Christ. But we want to have kind of a few of these weekends throughout the year where we kind of really get serious about it. I hope you pray about how will God open doors clear a path for the highway of the gospel to come. The only way that you're going to want to get involved, though, is if the gospel has captivated your heart. Is it good news to you today? Is it good news, Christian, that Christ died to bring you to God and you're blameless in his eyes right now? Is that good news? Does it land on you every day as good news or is it old hat? Oh, Jesus died to bring me to God. Yeah, I know that. No, Jesus died to bring me to God. Is it good news? Good news needs to be shouted, doesn't it? Does anyone ever come home from work with good news? I got good news today. I got a raise. What happened? You get a raise at work and your wife doesn't know about it. You come through the door. What do you do? I got a raise today. Good news needs to be shouted In Santa Maria, there's good news. God is offering amnesty to rebellious sinners right now because of Jesus Christ. Repent and come to him. He will qualify you, as Paul says in Colossians 1, to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He will transfer you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of the son of his love in whom you will have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He will qualify you for the inheritance. Do you know what the inheritance is? The inheritance is not a mansion in the sky. I don't want a mansion. I want Jesus. Jesus is the inheritance. 
being with him forever. That's the message we're taking to the Santa Maria this weekend. You can be made right with God and you get God for eternity. And that is the gospel. And unless that message gets down in your heart, you're not going to want to share it with anyone. So I'm asking, will you begin to pray that God would clear away this weekend and he would open doors for you to share Christ this weekend, that his glory would be seen, the gospel would be heard, and he would draw his elect people to himself. Listen, God is not passive about the gospel message. He is passionate and he wants it to spread. As we close, notice in verse 16, Paul says that he has been put here in prison. What this implies is that God has sovereignly placed Paul where he is. It was God's plan. It was God's plan for Paul to be on death row. And he has you where you are right now in your life for his good, for your good, for his glory, and for the gospel. He has you in the marriage that you're in. The answer is not a new marriage. The answer is not a new person. He has you there. He has you with your kids parenting. He has you in the neighborhood, in the workplace, in the family. But do you believe it? It's time for us to change the label. Begin seeing every opportunity as an opportunity for the gospel to be furthered. May God give us gospel eyes to see every situation as an opportunity for the gospel to spread. We're going to pray. We're going to celebrate the gospel. This is about as clear a picture as you can get of the gospel message right here. The Lord's Supper, communion, partaking of these elements, the bread and the cup. It's a picture of Christ coming to bring us to him. But let me tell you, if you're not a Christian and you never turned from your sins and trusted in Christ, this, this meal isn't for you. This is for people who come weak and weary and saying, God, I need strength for the journey. Give me your grace today. May I renew covenant with you and then launch me out in service. That's what this meal is about. Let's pray and prepare our hearts. Father, we thank you for your grace, and your mercy, and your goodness that you've shown to us through the cross. We are all so undeserving, God, and so often my heart is cold and numb to the wonderful truth of the gospel. Would you forgive us, Father, as we prepare our hearts? Cleanse us and help us to believe the good news that we can be made right with you, we can be forgiven of our sins, and that right now we stand blameless in your eyes. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Our hope is that today's message empowers you by God's grace to live God's way. For more information, visit us online at gracebath.net. 